and welcome to the Feedback Force podcast, the game design analysis podcast of the End Defender community. Hi, I'm Kelso. And I'm Kyla. And I'm Carl. And I feel like this is a good week, just because, to pull out the, um, the disclaimer that we are a video games podcast. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of things going on that we probably aren't going to talk about. Yep. So there's that. Listen. It's a tense time in yes. America at the moment in in the United States, um, but you know what? Uh, that's that's not gonna nothing about that situation is gonna change based on our little podcast. So instead, uh, did you all see Games Done Quick Marathon that just ended yesterday? No. <sighs> no, I I still don't watch it live. I watch VODs later. God, it's so it's so good. I I got a donation read out. That's why you should watch it live. Ooh. Um, there was a there was a some some like Super Mario Brothers three, uh, you know, rom hack type thing, where the runner uh who ran it cut the world record time in half. It went from like a thirty six minute world record to like an eighteen minute world record. Yeah, Super Orb Brothers was the name of the game. Um, and that was pretty incredible. There were two different Sonic World Records uh, that were set. Uh, I haven't watched it yet, but somebody played the Seasides from Celeste using a dance pad. Um, so, you know, there was a lot of cool stuff is what I'm saying. Uh, that's the one I'm like most excited to go back and check out the VODs for. I didn't see it because it was at like 6 a.m. on one of the days, but uh, I am I am excited to go back and watch that one. Yeah, that one. That sounds uh, very intense. Uh, let's see. What was GDQ 2021 final total raised? Uh, it was like 2.5 million when I left yesterday. Um, they they got to two point seven, two point seven five million raised. Nice, good for them for the Pre- Prevent Cancer Foundation. Yeah. So yeah, I recommend um, checking out some highlights. There were some really close races as well. I understand there was a Donkey Kong race on like one of the first days that. Uh, where they were basically within frames of each other multiple times. <laughs> and all kinds of neat stuff. I'm, I I do love G. I never get anything done the week of GDQ. Because um, I always have it just going in the background. And there's always someone doing something ridiculous. That's a... Uh, that's cool to watch. Oh, I did see a game that I thought, like, this sounds like something we should put on the hopper. I don't remember what it was called, but it was like using mechanic of like moving lights around and you're only allowed to step where the light is shining. Hmm. Uh, it's kind of portal looking uh, in its own little way. I have no idea. You're going to have to find that one. <laughs> light matter is what it's called. Um, and I had never heard of it, but like watching the speed run and I'm like, this looks like a, a feedback force type game. <laughs> Light matter one word, I guess. Um, I'll huh. put it on our list. 
Yeah, I'm looking at I'm looking at screenshots. This looks I, I like the visual style at least. I'm like I don't want to play a video in case Yeah, it gets you know. noisy. But uh yeah, it's got a very sort of clean aesthetic. It's um it's one of those like environmental puzzle games where the all the mechanics are around like moving lights around in a level because you're if you step in the shadows you die. <laughs> Dark. Literally. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I feel like watching the speedrun didn't really spoil anything because they pretty much don't do any of the puzzles as intended, so. Yeah. yeah I'll add this to my wish list. Um, I got, like, I got, I guess I got spoiled on the basic gist of the story from watching the speedrun, but it didn't seem like something where it's, like, you know, uh, an earth-shatteringly new plot that has never been done before. It seems like it's it's got a lot in common with portals. So, yeah, hmm. or Doom for that matter. Yeah, definitely put that one on the hopper. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I don't know what it is about first-person shooters that they just like having. Um, like a narrator who talks to you who's like doesn't have your best interests in mind but i feel like since portal that's been kind of a thing since at least portal that's been kind of a thing yeah I'm trying to think of other other examples of that i'm sure well let's see bioshock bioshock doom yeah um doom for at least some of it um the... Yeah, I was about to say, does Doom have? There's like the guy who runs the company who like keeps telling you to stop smashing things, and you're like, I'm the Doom guy. That's my sole purpose in life is to smash things. Um, what else? I I don't play that many first person shooter games, so I guess I'm uh, I'm probably not like the the authoritative voice in the an authoritative voice in the genre so maybe i shouldn't talk yeah, same big same um yeah so that i i recommend uh, the the last thing i watched i didn't get to stay up for the finale because it went to like 1 30 a.m last night but i did stay up for the pokemon blue gotta catch them all uh speed run where they fill out the entire Pokedex in about two hours um, through just just the most absurd glitches. <laughs> like, the entire thing is less like playing a game and more like executing a very complex program. Yeah, I mean... Uh, arbitrary code execution has been found in Pokemon games, so... Yeah. So it's a lot of, like, get your game into this glitched state, and then you can... Uh, it's, I guess what's interesting about it at that point is the routing. Like, they figured out the best way to... Because the, the which Pokemon you catch for them is based at least in part on their physical position in the map. Because it's based... It's, like, loads, like, the X and Y coordinates. So figuring out, mm -hmm. like, where is the best sequence of places to move to to get all the Pokemon to just randomly spawn quote-unquote yeah, randomly there was like a website that i found several years ago and it was just like i don't know if i'll ever be able to find it again it was just like a page of plain text basically talking about um 
how how that works and what that what that's actually doing within the game but it's 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 wild to think how far that that goes back because that's the basis for like all of the stupid like you gotta push the truck and then go <laughs> here and then you'll get catch mew like that's what that is and yeah. we were all just passing it around kind of as urban legends when you know when we were kids you know that um, this this reminds me i was thinking the other day about the the move the truck on cinnabar to get a mew uh like urban legend and i was thinking like are there any other like single widespread urban legends about games that you can think about where like everyone always said that if you did x then y would happen and that wasn't true um i have i have an old co-worker who and i haven't been able to verify this but she has she purported to be the person who back a long long time ago on some final fantasy um forum that is you know long dead she purports to be the person who started the blatantly false rumor about this is how you catch a silver chocobo hmm okay um, that was not one is... i th that is not one i had heard i guess uh being able to bring Aerith back was like a long running oh, yeah. thing people thought you could do i feel like yeah. like those two types of rumors kind of depends on what games you played at that age. That's true. Um, yeah. And the, most of there's... them for me were Pokemon, like the yeah. item glitching stuff in particular. Yeah, well, so, I no... mean, I was going to say that doesn't count because that was actually a real thing that you could yeah. do. <laughs> yeah. That one wasn't so much a legend as a repeatable also, trick. like po Pokemon, like pressing B at the right time. Yeah, up and B. Where, like, and... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> to hold to hold it down to increase your chances of catching. Man, I'll tell you what, when I'm playing a Pokemon game, to this day I will do that just as a reflex. I yeah. know it doesn't do anything, but I I can't stop myself. Yeah. No, it's for luck at this point, yeah. right? Like it's it's literally just a talisman. Yeah. Um, they did have a Final Fantasy VII run at, uh, at GDQ that was only, like, two hours long. Um, and I think they ended up getting to the, uh, the secret dev room. Because there's a dev room still in the game where it's just, like, a black space where, like, all of the character models are just standing and running through their animation loops. It's actually quite creepy. Um... <laughs> But I guess you, if you know how to get there, you can use it to, like, teleport to certain fights in the games. Because it was clearly meant as, like, a debugging tool. Um, mm -hmm. So I, I, I only caught a piece of that, but I'm like, oh, I guess they use the dev room now. Huh. <clears throat> Which, uh, that's cool. probably, I assume that must now be, like, one of the faster... Um, Final Fantasy runs because I feel like the JRPG runs are always like usually like at least five hours long. <laughs> so it's nice yeah, to see a, a sort of short one. Just the nature of the beast on that. Yeah. Uh, I guess maybe that's why on Twitter I kept seeing people like tweeting about. Uh, I, I think it was also based on a, a post from Supper Mario Broth, if you've read that blog that just talks about like secrets and leftover things in various mario games about how um in one of the paper mario games 
I don't remember which one, but um, either Bowser or Peach, like the the models have very important code tied to them, so they have to be in every single scene in the game, and usually they're you know far far below, just in the black void below mm-hmm. the actual scene. Yeah, that's actually a pretty common like programming yeah. trick. Uh, I'm trying to remember. There's some racing game where like. Um, the timer in the game is based on, is like put on a squirrel or something that's like just a little model that they always just have to put in the map somewhere. Well, I know World of Warcraft have like invisible squirrels casting spells. Nice. Nice. Oh, really? I haven't heard about that. I'll have to look into that. Oh, speaking of uh, Warcraft, um, it's sort of like I guess community adjacent, but uh, Covert Muffin had a run uh, that I have to go back and check out. He did one of the Warcraft Three campaigns. Um, oh, nice! So we'll have to go like support Co- Covert Muffin and see that bod. Nice, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, community. Speaking of community adjacent. Uh, I don't think he's started yet, but Sean Bloom uh, is threatening to start streaming again, which is pretty cool. Don't you dare threaten me with a good time. Nice. <laughs> well, he posted he the thing. Streaming. Uh, yeah, he did. He streamed a little bit of a break, but he posted on Twitter that he he's thinking in the new year he's going to try maybe streaming on like Wednesdays and Fridays for a bit. Um. Which would be really cool because I have missed our dear Shambles commentary on things. Yeah. Um, we'll have to. He he did play Elsinore. Out. Yeah, he did play Elsinore over yeah. break, which is pretty great. <clears throat> Maybe we can get him to play There Is No Game. Yeah. Uh, speaking of, speaking yeah, of was, There Is No Game. <laughs> Yeah, do we want to segue right into it, or did y'all want to talk about your past couple of weeks since I monopolized the whole thing? Oh no, I did absolutely nothing. So I'm glad. I'm glad one of us had something to talk about. Yeah, let's go with the game. All right. Let's, yeah. Let's, so yeah. speaking of, there is no game. This is the and thing I we must played. Scream. <laughs> there is no game, and I must uh, adventure. Um, yeah, it's by Draw Me a Pixel. We played uh, There Is No Game um, Wrong Dimension, which is different than the Jam Edition. Uh, I I tweeted at Rami to get uh, <laughs> to get confirmation of which version to play because uh, the I I was playing this. I was uh, recommending this for the podcast on the basis of. Rami tweeted very excitedly about it at one point earlier last year. So I'm like, well, I do trust that Rami tends to have good taste. So um, so let's check it out. And we checked it out. And uh, sure. Yeah. I did also play the Game <laughs> Jam version because it was only like, oh, yeah. it was only like 20 minutes long. Um, Is it good? It's It's good. Yeah. It's, it's, um i can guess what like the content of the game is yeah you basically can um it's basically just same narrator 
which is great mm -hmm. um because i i i ended that thinking man i hope they they bring that narrator back and flesh out the narrator more and that's the entirety of wrong dimension but yeah it's basically just you spend about a half hour um messing with the narrator and then ultimately yeah. like oh no there's glitches in the game we have to fix the glitches and that's that's about it but it's it's cute it's quick and it's free like what what else do you want <laughs> yeah um i'll have maybe i'll go back and try it uh it's uh yeah so it's a i would i would classify this game genre wise as adventure game do you guys agree yes yeah. i wrote down adventure game without like the adventuring yeah it's I, I was thinking like it's basically a perfect game for mostly walking except there's no walking in it like um, just the puzzles yeah it's just inventory puzzles based on the current narrative context basically um but it's fun it is a genuinely i would say funny game um it got a few mm -hmm. like real out loud chuckles out of me as I was going through, yeah. I was quite charmed. As was I. There were I, there were several points also where I was playing it, and my boyfriend was sort of sitting at his desk, and he would just look over and say, "What? What the fuck is this game?" <laughs> and I would yeah. just, I kind of had to just shrug at him. Yeah, it's like, listen, there's context, but it would take too long to explain. <laughs> Yeah. Just play At it. one point he asked me, is this a meme game? And I had to say no, question mark. It's not really a meme game in the sense that there are no memes. Well, yeah, there, there are kind of, but it's... Yeah, it's a little bit like what we talked about when uh, when we talked about Evoland, where I was saying, like, there's a difference between sort of, you know, like a an homage to a genre and, like, poking fun at stereotypes and... Uh, and tropes and reference humor and this is mm -hmm. definitely like on the on the the first side of that yeah right like there aren't a lot of direct references to specific games there's more Whoa. sort of like i mean there are sometimes but like for the most part i would argue it's more about like um references to specific genres and kind of poking fun at those genres yeah <clears throat> Um, I'll buy that. But yeah, before we get into too much detail on it, you know, it is an adventure game, so most of the gameplay is puzzle-based, and we are not going to make any particular effort to avoid spoiling those puzzles. Um, so I, I recommend checking it out if, uh, you know, if you're looking for a good humor game that's got a lot of meta humor in it. Um, it's It's genuinely quite fun and funny, so... Uh, you know, that's a thing you can go check out and then come back and listen to this. Yeah. All right. So then from the top, uh, game starts with, uh, a sort of harried sounding narrator, uh, talking about how actually, sorry, there isn't any game. You should just go away. <laughs> and 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 then you commence breaking things yep yep i think uh, let's see it starts off with the title and you just have to click all over the title 
knock the title down. Maybe that's the first one. I think it's, I yeah. think that's both, but. Yeah. And then he like puts on a more heavy duty title and then you knock it down like again and you, the, the T comes loose and you can use the T as a screwdriver to like unscrew some of the stuff. Um, eventually you start like he basically you keep you keep trying to like press a button to start the game and he keeps trying to like put panels or covers or signs or things over the buttons so that you can't play the game um and uh so the the first maybe like quarter or so of the game is just like a back and forth where he keeps trying to stop you from doing a thing and you keep finding like silly stupid ways around it by usually yeah, by breaking there's, things there's like a rigged rock paper scissors game where no matter what you pick the narrator will automatically like fake see what you picked and then oh I'm gonna pick the opposite thing which you have to do to solve a puzzle. I think you need the you need the scissors. You need to get him to throw scissors so that you can then use the scissors to cut. Yeah, to cut a rope or something like that. I'm trying um, to find the walkthrough that I I found a referenced yeah. once or okay, twice. Let me link it real quick. The uh, I mostly, for what it's worth, I mostly did not need the walkthrough. Um, I only checked it like a couple times and in general when I did it was just um, like the thing do the thing you've been trying to do but like do it in a slightly different location or like slightly harder that's I had the same experience I gotta say I had a lot of times where I was like stuck and like the solution felt so arbitrary yeah um i mean the the in-game hinting is very bad if i have like one complaint about this game it's that the in-game hints like every every time i was like well i'm like stuck enough to check out a hint it was it like the hints was stuff i already knew and had already figured out and yeah. i'm like yes no i understand that's what you want me to do like you don't have to explain that but, yeah like it's how to start how doing do. that yeah exactly um let's see so you you break enough stuff uh that you release uh mr glitch um who is just like who apparently has like some kind of secret evil plan to destroy the world, but every time he tries to explain it, something conveniently happens so that you don't hear the explanation. Yeah. Um, like there's some loud noise that covers it up, or uh, at one point, like a pop-up ad interrupts your experience, and you can't, uh, you can't. When you come back, he's just done explaining. Um, oh, I and think worth worth mentioning. One of the things that you have to break is you break the the game slash not game so hard that you end up on the desktop of the game's computer, which is like a, a fake flying squirrel OS is what it's called. And you've got mm -hmm. you've got to like navigate through his folders 
and look at his porn. Yep. Um, Which is just like some like uh like RAM chips and like yeah. CPUs and stuff, but yeah. with lingerie drawn on. Yeah. It's pretty um, great. And from there you you release Mr. Glitch, but I thought I thought that was uh cute. Yeah. It's yeah, and it's like a it's a combination of like you have to play with like there's like an instant messenger and a clock and a little like Winamp style music player and you have to mess with all of them to to find the solutions. Mm -hmm. Um the yeah, so you release the glitch and he starts sending you through the different like localized versions where you hear like someone narrating it in um there's like I think the first one is the Indian version. And then it's like there's they go through like Indian, Russian, French, uh, nice. Japanese. Is that it? Yeah, I think that's it. Um, and so you hear all the the different uh, narrators from those versions. Um, there's a running gag where everybody thinks that the English narrator is Russian because he has a strong accent. I assume his accent is problem. French. Yeah, that's the most French accent I've ever heard. Yeah, yeah he has a very French accent. I think he the, is a French game developer. The thing that is funny to me is that the the obviously French narrator for the air quotes English like you know the English version of the game but then there's the French narrator which is just the same guy but playing up like a stereotypical fake French accent yeah um I'm which wondering if it's yeah I wonder if it's um if that's like something that he gets a lot, if like people like ask him or assume that his accent is Russian, I could see that being one of those things that like Americans specifically like, oh, you have a an accent that I'm not 100% familiar with. It sounds Russian to me because Americans are terrible with accents. Yeah. But I don't know. It's it doesn't actually like if you know what a French accent sounds like, it doesn't sound very Russian. It sounds very French. Yeah, it really I don't know, maybe maybe I'm maybe I lucked out because I took French in high school, but <laughs> not Russian at all. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and and then he I think he also does the accents of a couple of the other narrator voices, which then sound like that language with a French accent. Which yeah. is, it's a little bit, it's a little bit awkward and weird because, uh, yeah, I don't know. Accent humor is a, is kind of an, an, a thing I'm not used to seeing in games. Yeah. Uh, yes. Okay. So once you've, once you've spoken to all the narrators, uh, is the, the next one is just the, the like actual adventure game, right? Yeah, like the the like scum VM style. Yeah, so the, on the a premise CRT TV. Yeah, so the premise of this game generally is that the glitch has thrown the the main game software uh, and you like keeps keeps throwing you into different quote unquote uh, dimensions, which are basically like different software pieces. Um, so the first one is uh, is a Sherlock Holmes adventure game. Um, where you have to like participate in the adventure game and help the main characters like solve the adventure game mostly by messing with the set. 
So they present it as like on one side, it looks like a fairly normal adventure game. But if you turn the TV around and look at, at it from behind, you see like a sort of backstage area where everything is put together with like plywood and paint. Um, so you have to like, you know, move the moon from one scene into another scene and, uh, you know, paint it, paint part of it, the other part of it yellow. So it's, it's a full moon and, and so on. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's, there's a lot of like, um, sort of clever, weird, kitschy stuff going on. The, the, there's a whole running gag about how like Watson realizes what's going on and Holmes is like very sort of defiantly not uh, acknowledging the, the narrator. Yeah. And they, they do a lot of they do a lot of acknowledging of how utterly arbitrary adventure game solutions are. Where they're like, this doesn't make any... The narrator's like, that makes no sense. Why would that be the solution to the puzzle? Like, that's really dumb. And you're yeah, like, yeah. Like the, the main solution I think that you need to find to, like, get out is you need a full moon and a scoop of ice cream with a cherry on top. And mm -hmm. one other thing I don't remember. Um, yeah. Very yeah. true. Yeah, and but so... Like, it's still in this game as well. Like, yeah. even though you make fun of other games for having it, like... You're still doing the thing. You're still doing the thing. Yeah, that's totally fair. Uh, I think it does have... One thing it does that's nice um, is that they limit your uh, your interaction palette in the scenes pretty well. So, like, your quote-unquote inventory is like whatever you're able to knock off the game and have fall down uh so you can like pick up and mess with it basically um but they usually usually when you're done using a thing they just get rid of it for you and in each chapter they pretty much like wipe everything and start again so that there's like not that many things not that many places you can go to interact with stuff and that was definitely like the saving grace for me in a couple scenarios where I like got stuck and it was like kind of annoyed, but I just sat there playing with the like three or four things I could interact with for long enough that I either figured it out or stumbled on the answer. Yeah. But I grant you they, it, it is, it, that does often annoy me when uh, a piece of media is like, oh, ho, ho, thing X is, like, bad or dumb, and then they're just blatantly doing the thing. And it's like, that's not... Uh... Yeah, if it's bad, then it's still bad in this game. <laughs> yeah, I think they... They at least... Uh, they're not as egregious as some of the older adventure games, and they... Uh, as I say, they do limit the interaction pretty well. But yeah, I do agree that, like, in a few cases, the solution is a little bit like too obscure for you know to just like you can't justify making fun of it if you're doing if you're doing something quite that obscure um i did not like the second section no the uh they they they, they rely the a lot on adventure games yeah they they rely a lot on you kind of i think being familiar with 
adventure games as a genre and the sorts of weird like puns and slightly lateral thinking that are common to those games like they assume that you'll you'll you're familiar with that and that you will be um comfortable with that uh which is not everyone's cup of tea and that's fine i feel like uh the mostly walking guys would get a real kick out of this game because it's it's literally just like jokes about the sort of shit that they joke about all the time yeah especially like this segment in particular i i get that adventure games are a they're they're a big part of the mind share of of video games in general but like this is so clearly going for like day of the tentacle those mm-hmm. kinds of like scum lucas arts um adventure games but how many people who are of an age to be playing video games because we're all getting older <laughs> how many people would have actually played day of the tentacle like i've played a bit of it i never finished it but i have played it yeah i played and a I... little bit of monkey island and yeah. that's it yeah i've played um, a lot of adventure games but like not really monkey island and i feel like that's like the big inspiration yeah for this section in particular for sure um yeah i think my main advantage has been watching so much mostly walking <laughs> Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, I know how Sean and Sean and, and Lee would handle this. Yeah. I'm sure it also doesn't help that I, every time I think, man, I want to play an adventure game, I last for about 30 minutes before remembering, oh, I really don't want to play an adventure game. Well, we played Rookie, and that was that was fun and good. Yeah. Modern adventure games are better. Modern adventure games are much better, that's true. Um, yeah, so you get through, um, you help the, you help the guys. So they, they like, there's a, there's a running joke about the Wilhelm scream in this sec, in this segment that I, I found pretty amusing. So they go see their neighbor and he's possessed by Mr. Glitch. And so they, uh, you have to do a depossession ritual that, yeah, involves like a scoop of ice cream, a cherry and, uh, and a full moon. And then the Mr. Glitch, and, and and it involves calling a psychic in the, I guess, real world. Although you are calling them from an in-game phone, so it's very confusing. Um, Apparently there's, this there's also, um, there's an achievement where if you call the, yeah. um, the developer's phone number from this phone, you get an achievement and some some extra like special dialogue you you don't or actually maybe it's get the other way special around. dialogue i i i did i got i did 100 percent of the achievements because i had extra time okay. um and you you can like there are achievements for calling the two phone numbers in the game on the opposite phones but you don't like they just like oh. um they just ring and then it hangs up so it's unfortunate Dang. yeah i, saw I know achievements and was hoping for Extra yeah, when you when you call the psychic, when you call the psychic on the phone later, uh, you do get she makes that like little uh like peanuts character voice, the like cartoon voice of you know oh. like rah, 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 rah. you know like th- that's like not intelligible words. <laughs> right, um, yeah. and then and then hangs up, <laughs> which is cute. Yeah. Um, yeah, so you, so you get through, uh, you help them do the, <coughs> excuse me, 
Um, you help them do their uh, ritual, which frees Mr. Glitch, who then takes you to... Is the adventure game next? The Maybe RPG? Like Legend of Zelda? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah there's like a, an RPG Legend of Zelda type game. Legend of the Secret, I think, is the name. I think so, yes. Um, and then they get to do jokes about um, Legend of Zelda games for a while. It's still mostly an adventure game, though. Like, you, you're doing a lot of adventure gamey type things. Um, but there is there is some, like, you know, jokes at the expense of... Uh, the the hero of the game being just kind of like a really dumb blank slate character <laughs> and the fact that you have like these like 20 million arbitrary goals it's like oh i need to like first collect the 20 feathers and then defeat seven ticklish guardians and then collect like these pieces of light and it's like okay let's not do that though there's also a cute little joke uh, about speedrun skips where instead of walking all the way back to his house he just walks into the pond or like a lake and drowns, drowns. and then is spawned back in his house yep and he's like i did that one on purpose to get back here faster aren't <laughs> i clever no so like, yeah yep great <laughs> good job um there's a there's a bunch of like like switch and lights puzzles in a little there's like a little mini dungeon um you get there's a running mechanic through that throughout the section where you have uh one item that can turn sprites big and one item that can turn sprites small so you have to do a combination of like shrinking and growing certain individuals uh or certain objects to to solve puzzles um i really like the part where you unscrew the ui element in the shape of a sword and give it to the hero as, as like this is the magical sword of light no really yeah um and yeah there's a there's a princess to save at the end who like falls in love with him immediately yeah because that's how that works mm -hmm. <laughs> of course and there's a boss fight you have to fight the um the Scala man, the lich, or whatever. Yeah. By just forcing himself to blow himself up with his own fireballs. Yep. And let's see. So then you, Mr. Glitch comes and tries to trap you in this world by turning it into a free to play game. Um, like a free to play mobile game, basically. Which they like, they make fun of pretty relentlessly in a way that I found quite pleasing like yeah it's not that funny but just you know nobody likes free-to-play games of this particular nature so yeah, yeah it also feels like like those types of jokes are kind of getting old it's a little bit it's definitely like a little bit past its prime in terms of that particular joke because i think it was like you know it was mostly like it's 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 mostly poking fun at the era of like facebook games where you had you know like you can do like this many tasks today and you know click on this thing 
in to refill your energy and if you like want to refill it faster you need to pay real money <laughs> which is still definitely a thing in the mobile space but not nearly as prolifically as it used to be i feel like yeah um, or, you know, maybe that's wishful thinking. Maybe I just, like, uh, studiously avoid games where it's a thing. But Yeah, I haven't playing much of, like, the, the actual games. Yeah, I mean, for good reason. They're not... <laughs> like, most of the time, if you have to put things like that in the game, the actual gameplay is not that fun. <laughs> uh, anyway, so... Correct. But, yeah, really so basically... Like stuff like that. No. Nah. I mean, I I played a couple Facebook games back when that was like a big thing, um, and you know I had enough f fun with them. But the moment I like broke my streak enough that like I lost whatever bonus I had for you know logging in a certain amount or you know maintaining something for a certain amount of time or whatever, I then I was like, well, I might as well not go back to it. <laughs> yeah. I don't know my my strongest memory of Facebook games was always um my my aunt was very very into Mafia Wars, and I just remember getting a notification once. It was like your your aunt has sent you an eight ball, and the icon was like literally a billiards ball. Mm -hmm. But I just kept thinking like this is def they're definitely alluding to cocaine. They are one hundred percent alluding to cocaine. And I, I don't know if my aunt knows that or not. <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. I played, I played two Facebook games. Um, one of them I don't remember the name of, but it was like a a pet sim where you had like a little customizable pet character, and you could like. Um, there were like different rooms in the house that you could unlock and you could buy like furniture to place there and you could play with the pet and um, like buy costumes for them and stuff and it was very like honestly it was just a like a less interesting version of the the dragon uh, social game that I play now oh, uh, yeah. flight rising um, and then uh, I played a lot of pack rat I was very obsessed with Pack Rat for a little bit, um, which, in retrospect, like, I don't even know. So it was a card game where, like, um, you know, every so often a new set of cards would come out and you would, you, they would, like, start you off with, you know, like, I don't know, some number of the default cards from the set and you could earn... To make, to make the more advanced cards in any given set, you had to, like, combine copies of the, like, the, the low-tier ones. So, you know, it would be, like, you know, two, two cheese cards and a knife card make a cheese board card or something like that. So it was always, like, combine mm -hmm. three uh, cards from the first tier to form a second tier and, you know combine some some amount you the tiers weren't like strictly one two three it, you know you mixed some from throughout the set but like combine cards to form uh the more advanced cards and then like put the you know advanced card try to collect one of every card in the set and put it in your vault um was basically the you call that a cheese board 
I don't know. <laughs> That's listen. That is not a real example. That wasn't off the top of my head. Um, but you know, there was like a sports themed one, and a like zoo animals themed one, and a I don't know firefighters themed one. Like that. Like every you know month or so, there was a new set of cards, and you had a limited amount of time um, before. The, and the, I guess there was there was probably like an in game shop where you could like buy the low tier cards and then you could earn coins by doing certain like menial things like, you know, clicking on other cards to turn them over and some of them would have coins hidden behind them or whatever. Um, but the, the, one of the interesting premises of pack rat was that any card that wasn't in your vault was in your backpack and cards in your backpack could be stolen by other players. Um, so part of the game was going through random players' backpacks and stealing cards that they hadn't locked. Um, and in retrospect, that's like the most angering uh, <laughs> mechanic that I could possibly yeah, think of. Awful. <laughs> yeah. Kind of cool. Um, and in practice, that mostly meant that you ended up stealing from people who were like obviously inactive who had like joined you know that month and then played it once and like never picked it up again and so they had all the starter cards that you needed um <clears throat> but i don't know it felt really mean and getting your cards stolen there were like there were um i'm the more i'm talking about this the more i'm remembering there were like uh, a series of rat npcs that were like the main ones in the game that you could you know like they were fine to steal from and they just always had like some random assortment of cards and you could go and try and filch one of their cards. Uh, but the, like, then there were also like players that you could, you know, take cards from. And I don't know, I, I think there might've been some weird etiquette about like what you should and shouldn't take from the packs of people on your friends list and stuff. Um, but in the end, it just it got too high stress, and I stopped playing it. Yeah, that's fair. Like I, I was, I was not completely off board at least until you mentioned stealing things from people's backpacks. Yeah, and that was what that was what I was like. Oh no, I'm out. I'm out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much what it was. Because you know, you'd you'd uh, come in for any. I think even the NPC rats would occasionally steal shit from your backpack. So oh, it would be like on. you'd you'd sign out, you know, you'd make all the things you'd want to make for the day and you'd be you'd have like two or three cards left over to try and make more stuff tomorrow and you'd come and sign in and you know, maybe you'd still have the cards you had been working on, but maybe you wouldn't. Maybe they would have been stolen. And there were locks that you could put on your cards that um would prevent the NPCs from stealing them, but the other users could still steal them if they performed well enough on a mini game. Oh, jeez. Which, yeah, no, it's an interesting concept, but like pretty much a recipe for player hostility <laughs> in practice. Yeah, you gotta yeah. be like in a mindset to get like. To be into like the whole stealing stuff yeah um so anyway uh, that's that's 
side tangent down down memory lane for like why free to play games were awful. Um, and so this one is mostly about you know like there's it, this is actually also slightly a parody of clicker games because. Mm -hmm. The idea is that, you know, you can keep clicking on things in order to uh, refill the hero's uh, energy level and like buy or you have to you have to click on the hero to get to refill his energy level. And then he can do a certain amount of tasks before he's uh, like knocked out and you can click on props to get uh, coins and then you can use the coins to buy other props that you can click on to get more coins and but every time you get to a new area, it completely wipes out all your coins and props. Yeah. So you basically go through the same game again, but the puzzles are all solved differently because now everything's gated behind like a dumb paywall. Mm -hmm. um, there's one point, there's like some pop-up banner ads that you need to use to um, get hints about how to solve certain puzzles. Um, there's, uh, God, there's some other kind of like, the, oh yeah, there's a few pop-up ads. There's a, like every so often you, instead of a coin, you'll turn up a loot box. Um, and then you play a roulette to maybe win a million coins, except you never win a million coins. You just win getting to see an ad. Um, but they they use like interacting with certain ads as part of the puzzles, and I don't know. I thought it was it's pretty clever um, for you know for what the joke is. Mm -hmm. uh, it's maybe it maybe overstays its welcome a little bit, but I was amused enough to give it a pass. Yeah, the the whole middle part felt pretty long, and I think that's just because. Well, a lot of it is because they reused the same setting for the free to play, mm -hmm. which, which makes it just feel like one big long homogenous bit, even though it's technically two separate sections. Yeah, yeah, that's I agree with that. That seems true. Um, also, I got really stuck on the um, like how to do the there's like a part where you, there's like a dark knight blocking your path and you have to like launch him into the air um mm -hmm. and get him to land in a certain spot and i like i got exactly what the premise was of how they wanted me to solve the puzzle but i could not for the life of me figure out how to implement it and this is one of those where i like checked the um the hints and it was like, yes, no, that that is what I'm trying to do. <laughs> like, that's tell me how to do the thing. Um, the, there was another one of those where I had to look. Uh, I ended up like going through all three hints and then actually just looking it up, which is uh, there's a part where you have to pay for something in real money instead of like the in-game coins. And to do this, you have to make a dollar sign and put it on your money satchel. And it was perfectly obvious to me that I needed to make a dollar yeah. sign, but not where I was supposed to put the dollar sign. Yeah, you needed to put it on your, like, money bags. Yeah. Which blew my mind, because... Why? Yeah, that yeah, that one didn't feel like that made sense to me. 
Like, I, like in retrospect, I'm like, okay, I get it. Like, that's my currency. I'm, I'm changing what the currency is. But it, it didn't feel right. Like, there was definitely... They should have at least let you combine the two items somewhere else on screen and then, like, given you a dialogue hint about where to put them. Because yeah. you can't even... You can't combine the, like, little S and the little line to form a dollar sign unless you put them in the right spot. Um which is which makes it feel misleading because you're like, oh, well, I kept trying to combine these two and they didn't combine. So I guess maybe that's not the answer, but it's so obviously the answer. Yeah. Yeah, so that that's there were a few spots I got kind of stuck in that sequence for sure. Uh, what's next when you get out of that that whole the the free to play one? Um, um, then you're in the, the credit sequence. Right. Yeah. Which I think this was my favorite part of the game. Yeah, I really like the credit sequence. It's, uh, it is, it's quite cute. Kelso, you go through the mechanics. I've been talking too much. Okay, yeah. So you, um, you end up in a, a repeating credits role for, I think this is the the like air quotes Russian version of the game um, where all of the like roles. So there's like the, the background artist, the visual effects artist, the um, sound design characters, whatever um, are basically empty slots or they become empty slots as you continue to play and you knock out the names of the people who were in the slots and you swap them around and it, changes the background so i think the ones that you get to start off with are buster chaplin which is uh buster keaton charlie chaplin stuck together so it's like old timey aesthetics um tim elfman which is danny elfman and um tim, tim burton tim burton yeah I don't know why I can remember that um yeah tim burton which makes it all like grimdark spooky and my cat which turns everything cat-themed. And by moving these around in various sequences um, and changing enough of the background, you get like items, there are puzzles to solve. Um, yeah, you can change, uh, it's like um, background art, characters, and special effects, I think, are the like yeah. three slots. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I don't even remember what the actual objective is at this point. Oh, there's, yeah, there's, a, there's a door, I think, that you have to open? Yeah, there's various things. First, Your you're pretty much just to find a mystic glitch. Yeah. Right. So I played this a couple weeks ago, so I'm trying to, like, remember everything. Yeah, so there's, like, first you find Mr. Glitch, and then he gets, like, or he's, like, locked behind a door, and then he gets, uh, for, first he's trapped in one of the, like, little films, and then he gets like locked behind a door. So you have to first get him out of the little like Buster Keaton film where a guy is dr drilling a hole in a boat um, using like a, you have to use a pickaxe, I think, to get him out. And then there's like a locked door and a little Tim Burton critter has stolen the key. And you have to like get a fish from behind some wallpaper and feed it to a cat. So you have a skeleton so you can cut a rope so you can get a bucket like that's you know it's very adventure gamey like sequence of things mm -hmm. i i do like the one that there's a there's there's a really good combo 
which they use for two of the puzzles, um, where for the special effects for cats, you get a laser pointer. And for one of the like old timey video sequences, there's like a person with a rifle and you can use the laser. If you grab the laser pointer, it becomes like a like a sight for a sniper gun. And you can like use it to get the person with the rifle to shoot th certain things on screen. This one, like, it's such a, a good puzzle. And I had such a hard time with it because I didn't realize you could pick up the laser pointer. I thought you had to yeah. like drag the object to the laser pointer, which is difficult because it's moving yeah. around erratically like a laser pointer. Um, I felt stupid when I figured that one out, but I eventually <laughs> did figure it out. Yeah, granted, that is that is definitely like the less intuitive way that you could do it because you you shouldn't be able to grab a little dot of red light, but yeah, you can. Um, um, it's hard, actually, but you can. <laughs> there's a lot of stuff you shouldn't be able to grab in a game. That's <laughs> true. Yeah, that is sort of the core premise of the game, is being able to like mess with the UI elements and pick up things that you shouldn't be able to pick up and whatnot. Yeah. Um, then after you free Mr. Glitch, it opens up the game design slot on the credits. So when you drag the various names to that slot, it gives you um, different little mini games, and then those become puzzles that you have to solve. I think there's yep. That's also at the same time he uh, he drags uh, the the game's name, which is just game, I guess, to the music slot, and it becomes DJ Game. And then he uh, oh, he yeah. raps over the entire time you're doing these puzzles. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Which I was worried was going to be incredibly cringy, but it was not as bad as I had feared. Yeah. Um, so yeah, at that point, then you're just trying to to free game from his terrible fate. Um, yeah, there's like a little kind of Space Invader Z one. There's like a little Pac-Man one. Um, and there's a little Tetris one. <clears throat> and so you... Yeah, you, you beat these games to get There's little items that let you do other stuff. Um, maybe the Space Invaders one was the Tetris one. Yeah, you're, sorry, you're right. The Space Invaders one and uh, the Tetris one are the same one. Um, a game and watch game, sort of, like, where you jump yeah, like, yeah. yeah, that's right. Um, it took me long enough to figure out what the premise of that game was that I got the achievement for, like, it puts it in easy mode for you. <laughs> If you hit That's enough fine. boxes, it, it's like, okay, we're going to give you one obstacle in the center of the game, and that's it. So that was fun. That's nice. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, no, it's good. It's good that they... Because uh... it's a, the timing of that one is a little unintuitive. You have to basically drop something heavy so that it forces the guy to jump at certain intervals. And like how long it takes the thing to fall and shake and, and get a response is a little bit like, you know, it's it's a non-immediate uh, thing. So it can be tough to judge the timing. Yeah. And if you don't drop it from high enough, it doesn't it doesn't force him to jump at all. Mm -hmm. So you need enough height. Yeah. Which they, they do that several times throughout the game. The um, yeah. drop a heavy object to make someone jump and avoid an obstacle because that pops up in the. Or to, um, at least to make screen shake happen. Too. 
yeah yeah uh, yeah. yeah there's a bunch of uh a there's a bunch of, of drop something heavy to make screen shake happen which like dislodges something or yeah similar mm-hmm. um so yeah you beat let's see you beat the um the game and watch and let's see is that is that when you unlock Gigi? i think that's when you unlock yeah Gigi, that's right? when you unlock Gigi. Yeah. <clears throat> so they've, they've there's been there have been il- allusions to Gigi previously if you like in the section where you're in the os if you go into the mail um you will see a letter f- to the game from someone called Gigi saying like i'm sorry but i have to leave very suddenly i don't think i'll be able to come back goodbye um mm-hmm. and i think the game makes a couple references to um like how how Gigi left and or like how you know he's not been complete since since Gigi left um yeah because when you go into the the um the legend of the secret he says something like oh you know this is an rpg i was supposed to be an rpg before you know like before Gigi left um but yeah so you meet Gigi um and there's like this female voice that shows up and is like hey how did i get here like what's going on it's me and game's like oh my god it's Gigi!" and then glitch like forces her into the the song slot so she has to sing yeah (laughs) this bit was this bit got pretty wild pretty fast yeah um and she sings about like she basically sings like a coded sequence that you have to input tiles for and then hit go mm-hmm. which is um, not a bad song actually it's not like a bad it's song yeah <laughs> that's it pretty okay hard to, like figure out what the picture meant but i like this segment yeah um and I, I was so mad because I would have gotten the achievement uh, for getting it correct on the first try, except that the first time I just hit the enter button with all the slots empty just to see what it did. Um, and that counted as a submitted answer. Oh, boo. Yeah. Um, so I did end up going back and just doing all the achievements because I was like, well, they give you chapter select, so why not? Yeah. Um, and I had already gotten, you know, like a, a good number of them by then. So, yeah, so you, you free Gigi and then I think, um, oh, then you, then you come back to like the regular game, right? Where you started. Yes. But Gigi is gone again and game is very sad and cries some bits. Yeah, this, this part was very sweet. Um, you have to knock the letters off the title and then rearrange it so that it just says love game <laughs> yeah. to, to cheer the game back up. Um, yep. And then see, he gets then... like he gets mad at you and like forces you to play a weird quiz game and uh, yeah. then you like flood the the stage and I don't know, you do a bunch of stuff uh that ends up glitching you into um, the game creator's phone. Yeah. And then, like, the end game sequence starts. 
yeah so you you've got the um the ui of the phone on one half of the screen and basically like fmv footage on the other side of the screen where you can see uh creator and basically you just have to use like your smart home apps on your phone and also the phone itself to basically fuck with creator until he notices that that game is now in phone yep and you you also learn the truth about like <clears throat> who Gigi is and what happened to her by going through like the creator's emails and stuff. Mm -hmm. And uh, so it turns out GG is an acronym for global gameplay, which is like literally the gameplay from the the game. And the the premise is that game was like the the creator's passion project, um, but he did a Kickstarter for it and it failed. So he didn't get to make it. So he just like took the code he had written for the main like RPG mechanics and sold it to a company for a GPS. Yeah. So it's like a an RPG themed GPS, which is like I I sat there thinking about that for probably longer than I should have. About like, yeah, how would that work? Would that be a good idea? No, that'd probably be a terrible idea. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that would just be like well, I don't know, because I, I keep coming back to, like, Ingress slash Pokemon Go, like, Niantic mm -hmm. stuff, but that's not really even, I mean, that's not really an RPG. Um, yeah, I was, th it made the, me think of, the um, Witcher game doing, like, a game like that? Maybe? Oh, are they? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know, either. Um, the one it made me think of is there was a, like, an augmented reality, like, jogging app where you would like put it on your phone and it would uh it was like a zombie apocalypse theme so it would play the sounds of like zombies chasing you while you were running and it would put like uh locations on your map for where you're jogging of like that you're trying to get to to collect supplies and so if you go if you jog all the way there and back then you've like collected the supplies and you can build up your home base and that's that's cute that's pretty yeah. cute I like, like that. that one. Yeah, so like that one's cute and I could see but like if if the primary functionality you want from it is a GPS then like I think you want it to just be a pretty clean and functional GPS and not an RPG. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. But it's I don't know, it's a cute premise. Um so she's living in this like GPS on his phone. And so you can like find Gigi again and like talk her into you know helping you do stuff and also, mess with the creator. By the way, like the unsuccessful Kickstarter is probably a reference to the Kickstarter for this game. Was there an unsuccessful Kickstarter for this game? Yes. Okay, that's that makes sense. Well, yeah, I'm glad the game's getting a little bit of recognition now. Um. At least, I mean, maybe it hasn't, but it was definitely like uh, since since I since we decided to play this, um, was it Polygon or no? It was Kotaku. Kotaku, Kotaku released yeah. a um, like top you know top games of 2020 that you've never heard of, uh, and pleasingly, Wintermore was on that list. <laughs> um, so that was exciting. Yeah. 
Uh, but like the game of the year from that list was there is no game. So between that and uh, and Rami um, tweeting about it, I hope it got you know at least a little bit of attention because um, it is a good game. It's cute and it's fun, and you know I'm glad it got made despite the <laughs> the Kickstarter failure. Yeah, I'm glad this didn't get turned into a GPS app <laughs> because my God, think of think of how much of a nightmare that would be. Yep. You can't. There is no GPS. <laughs> yeah. There is no road. You have to just fight with the app every time to get it to admit that, like, the place you want to go to exists and there are directions to get there. Um, so it turns out that Mr. Glitch's plan is apparently to use, um, to, like, get into the creator's Wi-Fi router and from there go to, like, all software-controlled, uh, like, you know, hardware switches in the world and, like, mess with them, like, fucking up traffic lights and air traffic control and shit. Um, which, okay. <laughs> like, yeah, that's an evil plan. Why not? He's a glitch. I guess that's what he does. Yeah. Um, so you have to, like, get the creator's attention... And then work with the creator to um, to to stop to to capture and and get rid of Mr. Glitch, um, which involves like the the creator transfers you to his computer, and you have to like you have to free up memory for him, which involves turning off his fucking Bitcoin harvester program. Yeah, <laughs> which uh, which was pretty funny to me. I thought that was a good joke. He's like, I don't understand why my processing speed is so slow. And it's like, you have this program where every time a certain amount of, like, processing power is freed up, it generates a Bitcoin. Like, it uses it to generate a Bitcoin. It's like, <laughs> Jesus. Um, yeah, there was another part here that I ended up having to look up, which is, like, there's a progress bar and you have to drop things on the progress bar to, like angle it properly so it can fill up uh, which I was trying to do but I wasn't dropping the thing from a, a high enough height apparently um, which is it's I always feel very like vindicated but also frustrated when I go to a walkthrough for how to do a thing and it's like yeah it's exactly the thing you were trying to do you just didn't do it good it's like uh yeah it was the same thing, but one inch higher. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so you do the thing, you get GG back for game. There's a final sequence where game still tries to get you to stop playing, and GG tries to, like, talk him into letting you play the game. And then you have a, you get to decide how it ends if you want to, like, leave uh take take games advice and just leave uh or if you want to insist on playing the game at which point it immediately crashes and brings back the glitch yeah um which the uh i i don't know if the implication is supposed to be that um the game is so buggy that it's like inevitable that it's going to crash 
or if you, the user, just literally break everything you touch. Yeah. Or both. I sort of um, read it as the former, but it's it's yeah. Everything. I think there were like emails or or some kind of text about how like how we just can't get this working. There's too many bugs. But I mean, yeah, it yeah. No, there's way. so there's an email that implies that the original game that like Gigi is from was actually programmed by like a partner of this guy because he has an email from this this woman who's like. Um, listen, like, unfortunately, you know, since the Kickstarter failed, I, I can't really afford to stay on this project, but I'm leaving you all the code I wrote. Um, so feel free to like, do whatever you want with it. Um, and so like, I think the implication is that the creator is actually not a very good programmer. <laughs> like he, he inherited all this code that he doesn't fully understand how it works. And yeah. so probably like he created the glitch in the first place, trying to take, the global game play code out of the original game and put it in this GPS. Yeah, probably something like that. I also, I don't know if it was just me that read it this way, but there's, there's so much buildup to getting Gigi back that it like, it almost becomes a romantic subplot and they're like so happy to be back together. Oh, and it's, then immediately, it's definitely a romantic subplot. But, like then, the... but then immediately they just start bickering. Yeah, and I loved it. <laughs> By the way, yeah. how does that relationship work? Because he's like a game, and she's like a script that was yeah. part of the game. I mean, it's a metaphor, right? For like how the game can't function without the gameplay, and you know, I it's it's just a it's just a very personified metaphor. It doesn't like none of this makes a ton of sense if you think too hard about it. So. I think it's just a don't don't think too hard. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so in the end, you either uh, bring back Mr. Glitch or you decide to not play the game. The end. But it's as I say, I I found it very cute and uh, and genuinely quite funny in parts. Yeah. Um, it's not not every single joke necessarily lands um but i think it's a good mix of uh you know like parody and meta humor and like some genuine emotions like i they do actually i did actually feel kind of bad for game when Gigi left again like it was a it was a sad moment and i was i was a little bit surprised that the game like paused to be a little bit earnest for a while mm-hmm I appreciated that. Um, you know, it's still a little bit jokey how you sort of solve the problem, but you do sort of care about the characters, so or at least yeah. I did. Yeah, no, I I like I said, I, I played the free the free version which has the same narrator, and I was really, really hoping that it would flesh out the character, the the narrator more, and I was really so pleased that I got to spend more time um breaking everything in sight around <laughs> their ear. Yeah. Yeah, he's definitely starts as one of those characters where it's just really fun to not do the thing he says. Mm -hmm. yeah, well, we didn't mention we didn't mention Stanley Parable in our list of things where you shouldn't trust the narrators in first person games. Oh yeah. But, I mean, shouldn't you trust the narrator in Stanley Parable? 
Um, I guess it depends. You can decide not to. Yeah, I guess, I guess that's like it's half an example because the narrator, I guess, is never telling you specifically to do anything other than believe. Oh, he kind of does. He yeah. does stuff like Stanley walked through the right door. Oh yeah, no, you know what? I'm not thinking. I'm not thinking of the Stanley Parable. I'm thinking of the Beginner's Guide, which is another oh. another narrator you shouldn't trust. <laughs> you shouldn't <I> guess. trust. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's also, I guess, the there's both the Doctor and the AI in Superliminal, um, who are like, "This everything is fine. Don't worry about this. Nothing bad is happening." Yeah. Um. So yeah, this is <laughs> game and this is sort of one of those narrators, but he's enough of a kind of a like goofy comic character um, that you feel it feels much funnier to disobey him as opposed to in the other ones you get the impression that like, you know, the narrator is sort of this this creeping evil that you must resist, um, you know, in the case of like mm -hmm. Portal or whatever. Um, but in this one, it's just like, he's this doofy guy who like really strongly wants you to do a thing that you don't want to do. So you're just <laughs> messing with him. Yeah. Yeah. And like those types of segments, like the first part and the end part, I really enjoyed. But like the middle part felt a bit sluggish to me. Because it was just like, here's a reference to, to other games. Yeah, it's it's very it's very adventure gamey in the middle. I would say like there's stuff that's just in there for the sake of having like puzzles to solve, which you know it it maybe could have been a tighter game without certain segments, but it it's definitely longer than I expected it to be. Like I I pretty much expected it to be all the stuff that was in like the first quarter of the game. And then it ended up being a lot of other stuff as well. Mm -hmm. um, which, you know, has is both a good and a bad thing, I guess. Like, on the one hand, it, it gets, parts of it get a little stale. But I think it also is, you know, it's it was necessary to have a certain amount of buildup before the end sequence. Um, in order for that to, to really land in any kind of impactful way. Um, yeah, but I feel me, like, like the did. middle segments didn't build up the end. It was just more well, stuff. They give you the feeling of like having been on a long journey and sort of the importance of like getting home and fixing things. But yeah, they, other than also like building up Mr. Glitch is kind of a an asshole. <laughs> um, they don't really advance the main story that much. Um, Another but, question you know, I have with like games like this and games like Evil Land is like, ooh, when does copyright infringement apply? <laughs> what? Where's the line between parody and uh, and uh, not no longer fair use? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think this one was less blatant about it than uh, Evo World. Like, Evil World definitely had, like, specific references to specific characters. Well, uh, you got, like, Rapapa the Paper. 
Yeah, and, and uh, paper and yeah, super cold was the other one. Yeah, super yeah. cold. That's right. I mean, these are mostly references to other indie games, which I feel like are less likely to sue. <laughs> but um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, parody is protected under fair use. Um, to some extent, you least. could argue that. Yeah, you could argue that these are less in those particular cases. It's less parody and more just reference. Um, but you know, it's it, the thing about copyright is it's it's only enforced in as much as like the person whose copyright is being violated feels like enforcing it. So if you tread carefully, you know, you get away with it basically. When we were doing Wintermore, uh, we made a lot of references to real things in Wintermore because we set it in the 80s and we like, you know, we made a ton of music jokes about real bands and things like that. And uh, so the our publishers, lawyers did a pass through the game where they like went through and marked things that they're like, you probably shouldn't have this in there because, you know, people like basically like these are companies who are likely to sue us or more likely than you know than zero to sue us um so here are the references you could remove but it was like really scattershot about what they picked up on and what they didn't like we got to keep all of our references to bands and music but we couldn't reference like band-aid brand bandages or the rubik's cube um and we couldn't reference tolkien um directly oh, by name yeah yeah um, i know i know like the tolkien estate is notoriously litigious yeah um, so like we and we still kept that conversation about tolkien in there we just didn't reference the specific titles or name of the author <laughs> and it still it still gets across very clearly to everyone who i've seen play it so yeah i feel like in most cases that's all you really have to do is not have a brand name and well, i mean I we still bands, referenced we still referenced like left hand of darkness uh you know like that was fine <laughs> so and yeah i'm not sure like how far it goes for like titles because i think referencing bands is fine because like you're not ripping off you're not stealing their music or doing anything like you're not stealing music you're not stealing content and repurposing it which i think is the big thing there i don't know yeah, but, but we weren't doing that for Tolkien either. We were actually just like providing true. commentary about Tolkien and his legacy. Um, yeah. Like that literally the a, only just a like safeguard. Yeah, no, I'm sure, and, and I'm sure it's just a matter of like the lawyers go like, okay, who do we not want to get involved in a lawsuit with, no matter how frivolous it might end up being, and they give you that list, and that's what you end up. Um, yeah. Doing and and you know like there were a few that we were that we were like happy to change. There were a few that we rolled our eyes, and then there was the Tolkien one, which we like actually had a back and forth with the lawyers about where we're like, or at least with our publisher, where we're like, you know, we really don't think this is copyright infringement because we're not using any text from the work in any way. We're just referencing like the titles, the author, and like one or two character names. And we're we're doing it to provide commentary about the series. Like we're not. Um, but you know, they were like, no, you know, like our lawyers say that this is a, you know, like they're a litigious group and this is a contentious point, so take it out. And we're like, 
All right. Like yeah. I said, we we kept the conversation. <laughs> we just removed yeah. the explicit references to names and and titles. So. Yeah. I think most people don't care about little stuff like that. Um, there is a weird thing in the U.S. where, like, you you have to pursue copyright infringements, or else it's like people can accuse you in court of like not not uh, basically not caring about your copyright anymore because you didn't enforce it in certain scenarios, and therefore they you can't enforce it in other scenarios. It's it's like really convoluted and dumb and. Like, you should be able to decide how you want your copyright to be used. And if that means letting some people use it in harmless ways, like, that should be fine. But whatever. Yeah. yeah. That also um, becomes a problem. Like, if the thing they're using becomes more, like, standard than yeah. the previous thing. Yeah, I don't know. Um, there was a... Hades actually posted a really interesting thing recently, which is they... They provided a specific um, like fanworks license with their game, um, and they they gave like examples and rules of how stuff was allowed to be used. They're like, okay, if you are doing fan art, meaning you're not using actual assets from the game, it's your own like created assets. It's just characters and stuff from the game. You may sell those as long as it's a, through a direct one-to-one retailer like Etsy or like um selling through uh like cons and stuff like we give legal permission for people to do that we do not give legal permission for people to reproduce merchandise where they just take our art and put it on other merch and we do not give permission for people to sell on like large third third party retailers like amazon that's um, that's cool that they did that I yeah like, and it's like I it like very that. clearly defines like you know what you can and can't do but it leaves room for like fan expression and fan creators and it's like that's cool i'm i'm like really pleased with them i wish more companies would do that it also like, i would imagine through what they have said about where the work can be sold the fan art can be sold i would assume that also protects the artist from having their work lifted and then uploaded on redbubble by someone else yeah exactly yeah but you don't need specifics for that because their version is going to have its own copyright yeah um, yeah, but there's the, there's, there's like a really there's yeah there and there's a really legal gray area um, in the U.S. around fan work. Like that's a that's an area of copyright that everybody's been kind of everybody's kind of tiptoed around because nobody wants to be the person to like set a precedent in one direction or another. Like fan fiction mm -hmm. is a notoriously gray legal area. Um, and so, you know, it's nice of them to, if they're going to be setting specific boundaries, like set boundaries that leave room for fandom. Because I think that's a big fear in fan spaces is that somebody's going to come down and say like, no, these are our characters, you know, from our game. We own the copyright. You cannot reproduce them through fan art. Like, sorry. You know, and then you're kind of boned. I gotta be honest, like all fan art stuff, like... I think they claim to have way more rights than they should have. It sort or, of depends. That they have, at least. Yeah, I, th I think it sort of depends. I think there are, you know, like, like I said, I really like Supergiant's um, delineation. I think they picked a good line in terms of 
you know, letting fandom exist, but also not letting like fan, you know, pe not letting people take advantage of their work and, uh, you know, and, and make money off of it in ways that they don't really deserve to. <laughs> Cause yeah, like Kelso said, you know, it's people often will do shit like take an image of a character and put it on a mug and post that on Redbubble and say, this is my work now. And it's like, no, it's not. You're just reproducing someone else's image on a piece of merch that, you know, they could have done just as easily. The good thing about Redbubble and those, those kind of websites that basically just scrape Twitter for fan art is that they're very easy to hack um, in terms of you can post anything on Twitter, any piece of art, and if you get enough people to comment, wow, I really want this on a t-shirt, it will get scraped. And I've seen a lot of really great examples of people just putting images of like a, a, a poor drawing of Mickey Mouse with, mm -hmm. the, the, with the phrase like, this is copyright infringement, Disney, please sue Redbubble. And that will, get, <laughs> yeah. that will get scraped and put on Redbubble or, you know, whatever. Yeah. So that's the shit I like to see. Yeah. It's weird. It's weird when automated processes get involved, right? Yeah. It's weird. I would never like, like having to make money off of fan art. That would scare the shit out of me. I mean, you know, like these days, like there aren't a ton of avenues for artists to make a ton of money. I feel like, you yeah. know, like just doing, do, you know, making art is a is a, is always been a very tough uh field to survive in and people buy fan art because it's you know they love the characters that it's a thing that they care about much more than you know some random original piece so yeah you've either got fan art or making commissions for furries those are your yeah. big avenues if you're like <laughs> if you're not doing commercial work pretty much yeah. But yeah. you kind of have to live on the hopes that you won't get sued for using other people's content. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's rough. And it, it, I mean, it's a huge gray area because it's someone else's content, but it's still your work. You yeah. still put in the hours to make the drawing. It's, 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 it's a really, I mean, you know, it's a shitty sort of area to have to traverse because, yeah, it's not yours, but it also kind of is. And yeah. you know who who has more money to deal with this in court? Probably not. Probably not the artist. So. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Fan fiction is similar. Um, it has a slightly different like set of problems and 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 you know gray areas, but it's a it's a very similar boat because like pretty much no one makes money on fan fiction for the most part. But also, like, a lot of times you're much closer in the realm of, like, reproducing the actual thing, right? Like, if you're writing fan fiction for a novel, you're literally in the same <laughs> genre of work as they are. Mm -hmm. And, like, that gets really dicey, so. Yeah. Yeah, if fan fiction tries to sell, like, their stuff more, mm -hmm. then the publisher would be at them like sharks, I think. Yeah. And there, there have been a few sort of like testing the waters moments, right? Because there are a few pretty well-known cases now of um, quote unquote, uh, you know, what's known as uh, scraping off the serial numbers or filing off the serial numbers, mm -hmm. which is you write, you know, you, you were writing an AU 
of uh, of a story. So you were writing fanfic, but it was different enough from the original content that if you just change the names of the characters, it doesn't. It's not necessarily copyright infringement. Yeah. And then you know, like that's how Fifty Shades of Grey came about because that was Twilight fan fiction, and they just changed the names of the characters. Mm-hmm. It was just a you know, it was Twilight fan fiction with BDSM instead of vampires, basically. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, I think uh, I think the most wild thing about that is like we're gonna take this this um, novel series that is basically for young girls, and we're gonna turn it into a hardcore bdsm story with all of the worst ideas about bdsm crammed into it yeah from what i know about fandom that does it really doesn't surprise me that much but from the outside that's a bad look it is um the that that one is super interesting to me because like i'm kind of you know in in awe of like Listen, Stephanie Meyer is not a perfect human being, um, but like I really admire her just kind of, you know, like her reaction to it, like how how she handled it, Um, because she was just like, you know, I'm not thrilled with this. Um, Like I specifically avoided like explicit sex in my novels because I think, you know, like that's that was part of, you know, like who I am as a writer and what I wanted from the stories. And it feels really weird to me that this is sexual, but it's, you know, this is a different story. It's her work. If she makes money from it, you know, more power to her. Like I'm, I made money from twilight. I'm happy. Like I'm, I'm not going to pursue it. And like considering the more recent case of like that, that woman who wrote the, like abo fic and then like is accusing every other person on earth of violating her copyright like oh what is i haven't heard about this tell me you don't know this oh great this is great so um are you familiar with alpha beta omega or omega verse as a genre i know about that um so you don't have to know much other than it's a it's a specific subgenre of like romance fix that is weird and kinky, basically. Um, and this 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 woman that like literally that's all that's important for the sake of this discussion. Um, a and a woman wrote uh, an original novel that uses um, like a normal so the subgenre is normally associated with male male romances in fandom so this woman wrote an original novel that uses the same romance tropes but with a male female couple and she claims to have invented using these tropes with a male female couple which is provably false like there are definitely people who did it beforehand but she then started like suing every other romance novel that uses these tropes um, she well, she filed specifically. What she did was she filed a DMCA copyright against, uh, like, a copyright takedown notice against um, another romance author who used those tropes. Which she can because it's a genre, and you can't copyright a genre. Um, but this woman's like, no, you know, like I invented this, and her story is exactly the same as mine. Which is like, you know, they're they're both 
pretty standard romance novels that are all like all romance novels are pretty alike. Yeah. Um, and she got like really bitchy about it. And, you know, when she, she like she filed a DMCA takedown that was like very ill-advised and it got into a whole legal mess because she claimed that she didn't do the DMCA takedown like her publishers did. And she was just a victim in all of this. And then it became clear, like emails came to light where she's like, her publisher's like, are you sure you want to file DMCA takedown? Because like, you'll, you know, like, probably this is just better if like the genre becomes popular it's better for your books maybe you should just let this lie and she's like no i definitely want to sue this woman and like it became a whole big thing she got tossed out of two different courts um <laughs> and it's she's like so uh lindsay ellis the um well-known youtube like video essayist did a mm -hmm did a video on this whole thing. It, it ended up being mostly funny because a bunch of judges had to learn what ABO was. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, Lindsay Ellis did a video about it. And then the author, the original author who filed the DMCA came after Lindsay Ellis, like, this is defamation. How dare you? I'm filing a DMCA uh, on your video to, because like, you can't say those things about me. And like, DMCA is not for anti-defamation. It has nothing to do with defamation. So that's another like illegally filed DMCA. I, I have found like, I have found Lindsay Ellis's videos on this now, and I am definitely gonna gonna watch these eventually. I'm gonna keep they're these up. great. They're really fun. <laughs> uh, um, and it became it basically yeah, it basically played out like really petty fandom drama, but played out in actual in the actual legal system. Yeah. Wow. Um, it is <laughs> it is one of my favorite types of thing when when an extremely niche quarrel gets blown up onto like a national stage becomes an actual legal matter um i i do love seeing those kinds of worlds collide <laughs> yeah yeah unfortunately that this has to be you know at the expense of other people trying to just make their own content whether it's the other, the author that got the DMCs against them, or you know, Lindsay Ellis, or anybody trying to commentate on this. Apparently, yeah. Fingers crossed that our podcast doesn't doesn't get DMCA. <laughs> uh. Yeah. Well, I mean, like we are literally providing commentary and uh, and reviews, True. and not not actually reproducing any of the media from the original work. So I think we're pretty textbook fair use, but. I mean, like, so, I, I yeah. think all are not her. And then we have a defamation case. <laughs> well, the, the thing about defamation is you have to prove that, like, it's not true. Uh, it's not, like, a reasonable <laughs> assumption given the facts. Okay, what can we make up? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah so Lin Lindsay Ellis did a follow-up video about the fact that she was being... Uh, threatened with a lawsuit by this person and it's they're both videos are pretty good so nice yeah i'm gonna have to watch those later for sure so yeah <laughs> fun fun times i i did get out of it Lindsay ellis made some uh some merch based on the accusations against her so i do now have a pin that says fan fiction deep state on it which is pretty great <laughs> 
So nice. Yeah, the the woman claims that there's some kind of conspiracy between like Lindsay Ellis and archive of her own and like the whatever like lawyer foundation of for like defense of digital media stuff. Oh, yeah, Electronic geez. Frontier Foundation are all colluding against her. It's a very it's a very like Trumpian sort of connecting the dots of like anyone who says anything remotely bad about me is part of a huge conspiracy and you know my behavior has nothing to do with anyone's reactions to my behavior. It's the cabal. Yep, exactly. Uh, nice. Um yeah, so you know one of those one of those people who like <laughs> it's it's amazing that there are still lawyers who will take her case but you know presumably there are lawyers who will do you know whatever as long as she pays them for it but yeah so enjoy that um <laughs> that has nothing to do with there is no game but uh yeah. i think we've said everything we're going to say about there is no game unless yeah. <laughs> anyone else right. has last thoughts yeah, no, I enjoyed it. It's a pretty, pretty quick, um, quick experience. Couple hours. I would say it's worth worth playing for sure. Yeah, it's as I say, it's longer than I thought it was going to be. It's like five hours. I was expecting like hour, hour and a half, but no, it's you know. Yeah, um, play, I think play the game jam version, and if if you like that, then then go for the full game. I think. Okay. Yeah, that seems like a reasonable. Carl, any last uh, last thoughts? Mm, he's typing on like what looks like Commodore sixty four. <laughs> yeah, that's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> the creator. Yeah. Yeah, that might be the case. Um. Yeah. So, uh, next game. So. In the next two weeks, uh, we're going to play Wilmot's Warehouse, uh, which is a game I have been meaning to play for ages, and I downloaded it uh, when it was free on Epic, uh, so I'm excited to finally have an excuse to play it. Uh, it is by Richard Hogg uh, and Hollow Ponds, which I assume is a company and not an individual, but it could be an individual. Hollow would be a badass first name. Um, no, Hollow cool. Ponds is the studio. Um <laughs> Uh, and published by Finji, um, which I like Finji. They published uh, Night in the Woods as well. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, it's a game about organization and uh, and keeping track of things. <laughs> and so I feel like Kelso's going to hate it, but we'll see. <laughs> you know, I actually, when you put it that way, it's a game about organization and keeping track of things. I actually might not hate it. Because okay. having spent so many years of my life with ADD and not being medicated for it, that's how I cope. Okay. I'm really good at, like, keeping myself organized. So I might... Maybe you'll love it. Be okay. I might be okay at this. We'll see. Yeah. All right. Um, yeah. So it's a, it's a game where you're a robot who runs a warehouse and you have to, uh, like, manage the inventory of the warehouse, basically, is the whole game. And it's, I, we'll see if we have much to say about it. It's a pretty short, uh, not short, but like it's a, you know, it's a pretty like, it has a mechanic and that's it, uh, as far as I know. So maybe we'll have nothing to say about it, but I'm, I'm excited to play it. I've been looking for a reason to play it. So, yeah. So we're going to try it. 
Um, yeah, I guess I guess like we could do plugs now. Yeah, that's what we usually do next. Hello, I'm Kelso. You can find me on Twitter uh, at Kelso Time Bomb, and you can also follow the podcast Twitter at Feedback Force. We are uh, on SoundCloud and we are on iTunes and we are also on uh, Spotify. I don't know if did I ever actually formally make the announcement here that we're on Spotify now? We are. <laughs> Nice. Um, and have been for a little while. But yeah, that's a thing. So if you if you much prefer listening to your podcasts on Spotify, you can find us there now, I guess. Yeah. Um yeah, and if you if you want to play Wilmot's Warehouse over the next two weeks and then come and talk to us about it, you can do that by messaging that Twitter account or uh, the dis our Discord, which is linked uh, via that Twitter account. Yes. Um, if you would like to talk to me specifically, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Kyla underscore go. Uh, and you can buy my game, Wintermore Tactics Club, uh, on Steam, on PS4, on Switch, and on Xbox One. Uh, and I highly recommend you do that because it's a great game. And it's very soothing and cozy, which I think a lot of us need at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm Carl, and you can find me on the Twitters at Skug3. And that's nice. it. So contact yeah. us and, uh, you know, tell us what you think about Wilmot's Warehouse. <clears throat> or come on to our, uh, our Discord and, uh, and tell us why everything we said about There Is No Game is wrong. Um, <laughs> If, if you feel strongly, come come talk, you know, defend defend your points at us. Yes. We will probably, like, agree with you because we're fairly reasonable people. Um, yeah. And I don't know. Um, I personally don't have any closely held beliefs about this game. So. Yeah. It's, it's a game. It's um, at, at, at worst, I'm a, a little salty that it, it beat us out for that, like, game you haven't heard of of the year. Um, but that's about it. <laughs> but I enjoyed it, so it's fine. Yeah. Um, all right. Yeah, Thanks for thank joining us. For and, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll uh, hopefully you'll hear from us again in two weeks. Yeah. All right, cool. Bye-bye, y'all. Bye. Bye. -bye, Bye.